I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10.3. Vancouver, a city reeling amid a housing crisis and being on the front lines of the opioid epidemic, has a new leader. Former NDP MP Kennedy Stewart was elected mayor of Canada's West Coast hub last weekend. We look at what Canadians can expect from Stewart and whether he'll be as outspoken as his predecessor on the national stage. It's Friday, October 26th. Before we get to today's story, I'm going to ask you to do something that'll just take a second. Make sure you subscribe to this show. On Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening, just tap the icon. All done? Okay, here we go. Dan Fumano covers municipal politics for the Vancouver Sun and the Vancouver province. So Dan, tell me first off, who is Kennedy Stewart? What should Canadians know about Vancouver's new mayor? Well, Kennedy Stewart is originally from the East Coast. He's originally from Nova Scotia, and um, he moved out to Vancouver from Nova Scotia in the late 1980s. And uh, for his first few years here, uh, he loves to, you know, tell his story, which I think is probably resonates with a lot of people. He came out here, didn't have a lot of money when he first came out. He was a, a student. He drove a beer truck and did other, uh, you know, sort of uh, sort of basic kinds of jobs around town to pay the bills. He played in a bunch of bands. He played in rock bands and including one band that, uh, you know, had got some level of local uh, notoriety. Uh, later on, he briefly worked in the city of Vancouver's planning department, and he just said that that was a uh, kind of a formative experience for him. He went on to a career in academia, so he was a professor at Simon Fraser University out here, uh, teaching political science. And um, back then, he was pretty often quoted in the media on urban issues and political stuff. And then from there, he went on to politics. But he's so far, uh, he was in federal politics. That's where his career was. Um, he ran with the federal NDP, uh, eventually winning. Um, the first time he won was uh, running as member of parliament for uh, Burnaby South, and he was reelected there. So he served, uh, yeah, he served almost two terms, but then, of course, resigning uh, recently to run for mayor of Vancouver. So he's made the change from, yeah, the federal NDP to being the mayor of Vancouver now. What prompted that jump to decide to step down from his seat as MP uh, to get involved in local politics? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, he, uh, he, I couldn't say exactly what the real reasons are. Who knows what, it, you know, everything that goes into it. But when he tells the story, it's, he said that he loves Vancouver. He loves cities. He's a real guy who loves urban issues and, um, and trying to tackle uh, some of the real challenges that uh, the cities are facing. Of course, in Vancouver, the, the biggest challenges are housing and opioids. Um, and city governments, even though traditionally they've been the ones that had the least power, they have the least ability to generate revenue, but they're kind of on the forefront of dealing with a lot of these challenges. So mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of the way he describes it. Uh, he wanted to sort of tackle some of these challenges um, at the city level. Okay. Now, before we jump into some of those issues, because I I do really want to touch on some of those, there's a curiosity about Vancouver politics locally, and and Montreal uh, as well deals with this, where you have political parties at the municipal level, and they're not like the NDP or Mm -hmm. the conservatives is you know i gregor robertson the the outgoing mayor he was part of uh, vision vancouver if i'm if i'm remembering correctly yeah um and what is it about vancouver politics that that leads to these parties and how is it an unaffiliated 
uh, guy like uh, Kennedy Stewart managed to uh, win the mayor's chair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what the roots are of it in Vancouver, but for at least the last 80 years or so, the municipal political scene has been largely dominated by uh, a few parties. Uh, it's not it's not just Vancouver. Other B, other bigger BC municipalities like Surrey and Burnaby and New Westminster they have parties to some extent there as well. But uh, in Vancouver, uh, there's bigger money and um, the parties seem to be especially dominant in the city of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just kind of been like that for a long time. I mean, Kennedy Stewart is only uh, he's only the, he's the first independent mayor elected. In Vancouver, in more than thirty years, the last one was Mike Harcourt, who later on went on to be the premier of BC. He was mm-hmm. an independent mayor in the nineteen eighties, and before that, I don't think there had been an. I think Kennedy Stewart's only the third in about fifty or sixty years because there was an independent mayor in the sixties, but he was really pretty closely aligned with one party as well. But it's just kind of always been like that for uh, for a while. And um, Stewart has. Uh, there were rumors that Stewart was going to run. Uh, possibly with Vision Vancouver. As you say, Vision Vancouver um, was Gregor Robertson's party. Uh, they Robertson's been in office for 10 years now, and he's just coming to the end of his third term. And he's had a he's enjoyed a majority on council. There's been a majority of uh, Vision Vancouver-affiliated councillors. Um, but this election, Vision was basically wiped out. So even though there was a, a rumor that Kennedy Stewart was maybe going to run for Vision at one point, when he came out and had his, uh, his event... He was adamant that he wanted to run as an independent, and he thought that that was the best way to do it. Um, And then as it turned out, I mean, it seemed like voters were pretty ready for a change from vision. Like I say, not a single vision councillor running in this election ended up getting a seat. Okay. Um, Now, you mentioned opioids and housing. Were those two of the biggest issues in the campaign, or were there other issues that uh, candidates were talking about? Yeah, I mean, there were certainly other issues, but those were definitely the biggest issues. And I'd say really housing was the big issue um, to the point where it kind of dwarfed everything else. Uh, Everywhere, everyone was talking about housing, 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 for the most part. Um, And there were some exceptions, but it definitely seemed like a campaign that was largely dominated by housing affordability and what you know, what the city government can do to improve the situation of both homeowners and renters, as well as the homeless and the people who are kind of on the edge of homelessness, because uh, it's obviously just become a really acute crisis. Housing has been a big issue in Vancouver for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find lots of stories from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, where uh, talking about how housing affordability is an issue. But And in the last election in 2014, when Gregor Robertson won his third term, it was certainly an issue, but it kind of has gone. It kind of went from being an issue in 2014 to being a crisis or being the issue in 2018. So housing was definitely the dominant issue in this campaign. Well, it is one of those ones when Canadians think of Vancouver. That's one of the the current issues uh, facing Vancouver that that people think about. It, you know, the the yeah. obscene cost of housing, <laughs> uh, the how unaffordable it is even to to rent a place. I've known people who've moved to Vancouver for work, and they kind of throw their hands up and say, well, I guess I'll see what I can do. Um, what is it that Kennedy Stewart is, has said that he's hoping he can do on the housing file? Well, he set some targets that he wants to um, achieve in terms of uh, how many new units to bring online. Uh, it's 85,000 
new units of housing over the next 10 years. And there's some debate about whether that's doable or not, but that's the goal he set. But uh, significantly, um, a lot of that, and I don't remember the exact number, I think it's maybe about 25,000 of those are supposed to be purpose-built rentals that are meant to be affordable. So they're like subsidized and non-market rentals. Uh, So that's a big part of his housing plan is um, making sure that there's rental housing that's affordable for people making average local incomes. So that's the Mm -hmm. sort of the bigger, longer-term thing. In the shorter term, there's a couple of smaller things that he's highlighted that he wants to try to tackle within his first 100 days. Um, One of them is creating a a renter's advocate at City Hall. Renters in Vancouver have a very tough time because the vacancy rate is almost zero, and obviously the cost of housing is high, so there's a lot of pressure on landlords, there's pressure on tenants. He wants to bring in a renter's advocate at City Hall. They also want to begin clearing the permitting backlog. There's a big delay, so developers can't build more housing. I mean, some of these are not very sexy things, but they want to get these things through. The other thing mm-hmm. that m- might uh, you know, be of some interest at a national level is that Vancouver, I think, it was in, I think it was two years ago, I think it was 2016, Vancouver became the first uh, municipality in Canada to bring in an empty homes tax. It was kind of controversial at the time, but the, the outgoing Vision Vancouver Council brought in this empty homes tax. Uh, the idea was to basically increase the amount of property tax paid by people who use their home less than, I think it's 180 days of the year. Yeah. So wh- whether it's a pied-a-terre or a vacation house or just an investment property sitting empty, they want to tax these people more. Some people, some of the candidates in this election uh, had talked about, criti- had criticized the tax, talked about repealing it. Kennedy Stewart talked about tripling it. And I think with the council he has, there's probably going to be some support for that. So he's going to look at tripling the empty homes tax potentially. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media Digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. Yeah, you you talked about Vision Vancouver getting essentially wiped out. What is the makeup of council that uh, Kennedy Stewart is working with? Is it more left-leaning, more uh, right-leaning? Is it a mix? What's the makeup there? It's kind of an interesting mix. I mean, it's there's four different parties uh, represented on council, which I I should actually check, but I, that's the first time in a long time, if not the first time ever, that there's been four different party affiliations on council. Uh, you'd have to go back a long ways to find that. But it's it's kind of an interesting split between you've got five councillors. The, the single biggest party represented on council is the Nonpartisan Association, which is, of course, kind of a funny name for a party, but that's the name they came up with 80-some-odd <laughs> years ago. And the NPA has kind of largely dominated the civic politics in Vancouver for most of their 80-plus-year existence, um, but not really the last 10 or 15 years. So okay. anyway, the NPA has five councillors on uh, council, and then uh, the Green Party has gone from having one councillor to having three and then there's a n- relatively new party called One City that's just had their first councillor elected. And then uh, the Coalition of Progressive Electors, or COPE, uh, they have also one councillor elected. And they're kind of the f- 
further left party, and they, uh, they've been around for a long time as well. So you kind of have this split between five NPA counselors, which is kind of traditionally considered the party of the center-right, although okay. it's all relative. I think the NPA, we call them center-right in Vancouver, but in a lot of places around North America, they would probably be considered fairly progressive or left-leaning. And then the, mm-hmm. uh, the other five are sort of varying degrees of center-left to left. So Kennedy Stewart will be presiding over this mixed council, kind of five NPA, five assorted left, center-left, and he'll need a majority to get things through. Um, For most things, you just need a simple majority, basically six votes. But for certain things, you're going to need a super majority, like a two-thirds majority. So that's what I was talking to him about that the first day after he was after he won the election. And he he recognizes that's going to be he's going to have to bring a more diplomatic, less adversarial sort of style. It's gonna be a lot of horse trading behind the scenes, I think, to get things through, because unlike Gregor Robertson, who had a majority the entire time he was mayor. Gregor Robertson, as long as his party all voted with them, they knew what they could get through or not get through if they had their yep. you know caucus meetings. And typically, the vision counselors usually voted as a block, almost always, and they could get things through. Okay. This time, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Now, other issue that is kind of top of mind for a lot of Canadians is the opioid crisis. Vancouver has been on the front lines of that crisis for a long time, and and Lower Mainland BC has been seen as kind of the epicenter of a lot of the uh, human cost of that crisis. Um, What is it that Kennedy Stewart has discussed related to the opioid crisis, and and what can a city do to combat that? Yeah, it's a fair question what the city can do, because a lot of Obviously, public health and public safety issues are traditionally the responsibility of the provincial and federal governments. Um, I mean, one of the main things that Kennedy Stewart has talked about, he's talked about he wants to try to tackle the opioid crisis. But um, I think, you know, the outgoing government, civic government, has also tried to do a lot to tackle that. One thing he has talked about is striking a downtown east side. The downtown east side, of course, is a is is an area of Vancouver that's been particularly hard hit by the opioid crisis. And he's mm-hmm. been talking about striking a downtown east side emergency task force. Um, I mean, th- their, their primary goal is supposed to be tackling the opioid crisis and saving lives, but I have not heard really details about that or what that would entail. Uh, he wants to strike this task force, but yeah, I don't know exactly what it would be or what they would do. Okay. I uh, could be working with the province uh, on public health issues, things like that. But I mean, he, again, he just yeah, won election a, a few province. days ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he <laughs> has he has um, expressed support for uh, the opio overdose prevention society. Overdose prevention society was kind of like a rogue um, health service, basically, like people in downtown Eastside operating illegally outside of any um, kind of government rules initially just basically trying to save lives, going around with naloxone and trying to reverse overdoses. Um, and he had been quite supportive of them. So, I mean, maybe he'll be advocating to senior levels of government to try to get funding to expand those kinds of harm reduction measures, uh, trying to just save lives on the front lines. But, yeah, not a lot of details yet on what he's going to do there. Okay. Uh, now, Kennedy Stewart's predecessor, Gregor Robertson, was quite outspoken on uh, – broad national issues, particularly uh, and most recently um, the construction of the Trans Mountain uh, mm-hmm. Pipeline. Where does Kennedy Stewart 
sit on the pipeline file and can Canadians expect another outspoken uh, anti-pipeline advocate on Vancouver City Council? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Kennedy Stewart has been pretty, he's been pretty clear about his position on the Trans Mountain Pipeline and was actually, I, th- I think it was just earlier this year, he was arrested uh, by the RCMP at a uh, protest. So, I mean, uh, he's run for mayor of Vancouver, but previously he was a member of parliament for Burnaby and Burnaby is a, basically a neighboring municipality. It's a, a suburb just to the east of Vancouver and Burnaby is actually where the uh the, the terminus for the pipeline. Yeah. Exactly. The terminus for the pipeline is there, and uh, they've got a big facility and a tank farm and stuff there. So those were that was his constituency. Um, I guess not exactly where the terminus is, but anyway, around there. And so he was mm-hmm. there. He got, a, he got arrested alongside Elizabeth May from the National, the Federal Greens. Um, he was arrested, and then he eventually pleaded guilty uh, to a contempt of court charge for violating this injunction. Um, so he's been a staunch opponent of this project. He says it's not in the best interest of British Columbians. Um, and he said, when I was talking to him after his election win, he, he said he does plan to continue his opposition to it, but voters, like, people shouldn't expect him to be getting arrested anymore. He probably won't be going around getting arrested any, anytime soon. That's what he said. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's about to become a, a cheerleader for the pipeline. So as consultations uh, with First Nations uh, get underway again and the the Marine Safety Review launches as the feds try and meet the conditions that were set out by the Federal Court of Appeal, you could see some uh, advocacy on the part of uh, Vancouver's mayor uh, on the pipeline file. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Anything else that Canadians should know about Kennedy Stewart? Well, um, I'm not sure. I mean, he's a, he wants to be a big advocate for the arts. He, uh, he wants to, you know, like I say, he used to play in bands. He wants to sort of uh, promote arts and culture and, you know, uh, which in his mind is, is something in Vancouver that has suffered because of the housing affordability challenges. Mm-hmm. One other thing, is, you know, on the business front, he's very bullish about cannabis. So he wants Vancouver to become a world leader in not not just the retail sale of cannabis, but the R and D and the, the the tech side of things, and just like a business leader in cannabis. Of course, BC has been known for cannabis, both on the activism and you know BC Bud for a long time. Now that you know Canada has taken the step of becoming the largest country in the world to legalize recreational pot. He'd really like to see Vancouver becoming kind of a hub of the business side of that. So that's one of the things he's pushing for. Yeah, it, where does he stand on the on the dispensaries that have been in operation uh, that were basically told if you don't shut down by October seventeenth, uh, we're going to crack down on you? Uh, I understand that there there weren't as of last week any retail outlets open under the legal framework. Where is that at now in Vancouver, and where does Kennedy Stewart sit on that issue? Well, the the Vancouver police have taken a different tact than some police forces in Canada, including like the Toronto Police Service, which had previously been taking a pretty heavy-handed approach, cracking down on dispensaries, arresting people working there, charging them. In Vancouver, uh, over the last couple of years, the, the VPD has taken an approach of kind of largely hands-off. Uh, they're only doing selective enforcement if they get indica- an indication that a dispensary is selling to minors or that they're mm-hmm. doing anything else or that they're involved with 
organized crime or anything like that. Um, yeah, there hasn't been any broad crackdown in the last, what, two week, week two weeks? No, yeah, week. It's only been a week. Um, <laughs> uh, so th- there are a bunch of dispensaries in Vancouver that are still operating. And uh, I don't think Kennedy Stewart's indicated any um, significant uh, change in tack on the way that he wants the police to handle this. Of course, as mayor of Vancouver, he'll become the chair of the Vancouver Police Board. Um, mm-hmm. And... I- I mean, you know, the, that's the police. That's the, that's the direction they've taken. In Vancouver, there, there's this weird thing where the city had become, I guess a couple of years ago, the city became the first jurisdiction in Canada to regulate and kind of license the retail sale of weed when it was still illegal under federal law back then. And um, But those stores were all illegal under the federal law. Some of them are still licensed in Vancouver, and a lot of the ones that are licensed and are trying to get their proper licensing through the province, a lot of them have shut down temporarily now. So a lot okay. of the dispensaries around town have shut down and they're kind of temporarily closed while they try to get on side with the new regime, the new regulatory system. Some of them are just continuing to operate and sell and sort of in defiance of the rules. Um, but there's, I mean, there's been a long, long history of that in Vancouver, uh, even going back for decades, really. Okay. So it's not, it's not a huge, I don't think there's a huge kind of public safety outcry or anything from the people of Vancouver because it, it's kind of just been like that for a long time. All right, and not something that's top of mind for the new mayor. All right, uh, Dan, Probably thanks not. for your time. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Here's what else is happening. The Liberals have backed off on parts of a justice bill that conservatives argued would have seen convicted terrorists get a slap on the wrist. Under Bill C-75, convicted terrorists could have been fast-tracked through the justice system, but the maximum sentence they would have received would have been up to only two years. During a clause-by-clause review of the bill by the House of Commons Justice Committee, the Liberals sided with the Conservatives and voted in favour of a series of opposition amendments. And all aspiring teachers in Ontario will be required to pass a math proficiency test before receiving their licence to teach, the Ford government said Thursday. The education minister framed the move as part of a raft of changes that will help ensure kids are prepared for success, but current teachers won't be subjected to the test, the Tories said.